restaurant uh, put us in the Amen. So, Father God, we just thank you this morning, Father God. Father God, we thank you as we get ready to hear the word go forth, Father God. We pray that none of us leave here the same as we came, Father God. We pray for us who has to go to work, Father God, as we know, Father God, that we're here together, Father God. But when we're not here, Father God, that we're up against things, Father God, that that, that are not always of you, Father God. So we pray for those those folks, Father God, with these worldly jobs, Father God, that have to deal with these worldly people after we hear your word, Father God. We pray that your word, Father God, oversees everything, Father God. That is your word, Father God, that we will always keep in our hearts and our minds and our souls, Father God. And don't let the wiles of the enemy, Father God, interrupt, Father God, what you have done for us and what you have given for us, Father God. So we just thank you this morning, Father God. We give you praise this morning. We give you honor this morning. And we know all the glory belongs to you in Jesus' mighty name.
uh, Psalms 100 is a short Psalms, but uh, when I was uh, a young girl in the church, some of uh, the churches, the Baptist churches, used Psalms 100 to open up the service. And when I was in the Baptist church, you know, they didn't talk about praise and worship then, they may now, but they had what they called devotional service. And the deacons would open up the service with prayer and sing those old hymns uh, with no music, no piano, no organ, just singing a cappella. I don't know if any of you all have been exposed to that, but I was listening to one of those old hymns the other evening, and I mean, it blessed my heart because I just thought about, you know, how God has brought us and how he has taught us and how we've been exposed to different kinds of uh, worship and how people uh, do their liturgy, we call it, uh, the, the, the way they do their service. But the main thing is, is that uh, we just know that God is real. And uh, we thank God for that. So, Father, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Lord, anoint the ears of the hearers this morning. Help them to receive from your word, God. Manifest yourself, Holy Spirit. Open our ears so we can hear real good and open our hearts to receive real good. And Lord, don't let us leave the way we came in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're looking at Psalms 100 this morning. And it says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. So we, uh, as I say, as in my childhood, people use this scripture to open up the service. Uh, they used it as a responsive reading, where, you know, you would, the leader would say, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. And then the rest of us would say, serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with thanksgiving. But the main thing is, is that we started out understanding that we needed to come before the Lord and we needed to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So with that introduction, i just like to, you know, remind us that some in the congregation who do not enter into worship with an attitude of gladness, there are people who actually <laughs> come to church and they're so burdened and they're so weary, they've been fighting a battle all week long. And so when you tell, talk to them about worship the Lord with gladness, well, they can barely get in the door. So we have to understand that there are some in the congregation who do not enter into worship with an attitude of gladness. And then there are others that enter in out of routine. 
It's just we do this every Sunday. And I don't really think about it. I just do it. I don't really believe it. I just do it. But the text commands us to make a joyful noise to the Lord and to come into his presence with singing. And why does he want us, the psalmist want us to do that? You see, this is a psalm of David. And David was a psalmist. David was, uh, these are psalms, these psalms are songs. That's what you have to understand. They were songs that were written by those uh, and people that were uh, called to be a psalmist. And so what we have now is people who are called to do praise and worship. And we call them psalmists because they have that gift that helps them to lead us in uh, uh, praise and worship and, and with an attitude of gladness. They help us to do that. And so we need to see here uh, that uh, the scripture says, the text commands us to make a joyful noise to the Lord, to come into his presence with singing. And why is that? Because we are his creatures. And as his creatures, we should submit uh, to the creator who made us. And as sheep, we should submit to the shepherd who died for us and now leads us in his path. And he not only made us, but he is making us as we yield to him. If you look at Ephesians 2 and 10, 2 and 10 it says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. We need to know that God is the one that created us. Yeah. Uh, we need to understand that uh, we were born of, of a human being, two human beings coming together, but we weren't created by them. God created us. We have to understand that. Uh, I tell a funny story about someone that you all would know, another family that was raised up with uh, me and my brothers. And so as uh, youngsters, there was a conversation going on between my brothers and this other family, one of the family members who was a male. And so uh, <laughs> uh, my brothers were talking about how God made them. And uh, this other family, this other person of another family, friend of the family, said, well, I, I don't know who made you, but me and Roy made me. Me and Roy was his mother and father. So he, he kind of didn't realize that God had to do with that. But we need to know that God created us. He is our creator. And we are his creatures, and we should submit. Uh, we should submit ourselves to him. Uh, because, you know, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's what the scripture tells us. And we mention the word submit a lot of times. We look at that word as something bad. I remember I was doing a wedding uh, ceremony, and this couple 
uh, I give the, when I'm going to do the wedding uh, ceremony, I give the couple several uh, different ways of doing the wedding vows. And so I had given them the choice. I said, you select whichever uh, wedding vows you want out of these three that I'm giving you, and that's what we'll do. And of course, we have that standard wedding vow that talks about a woman being obedient to her husband. And so these people, this couple, they finally decided on the traditional wedding vows. And so uh, when we got to that part uh, where it said that you will be obedient to your husband, you will submit to your husband, she said, oh, no, I'm not going to do that and stopped the whole wedding ceremony while I had to explain to her, but that's what you selected. That's the one you selected. And it was nothing wrong with it, except she saw that word submit and thought that that meant that she had to take orders from him. That's how she heard it. And so we have to understand that it was a good marriage and good Christian marriage and people understand each other, that word submit is not a problem. And then the other part of that is where I'm going with this, is that we need to submit to God. We need to let ourselves be led and guided by His Holy Spirit. And so submission simply means fulfillment, that I am fulfilled. I am submitted to God, I am fulfilled. And as you and I enter into the gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, we are thankful to him. That's what the scripture says. We are thankful to him and we give him what we give him. Praise, we give him praise. We are thankful to him and bless his name. We are spiritually, artistically, or emotionally satisfying the Lord, who is not who not only commands us to worship Him, but who also tells us that the only way to worship Him is in spirit. John chapter four, verse twenty-four tells us we must worship Him in spirit and in truth. We are spirit beings. God is a spirit, and we must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we're not worshiping him with this flesh and blood body, but we're worshiping, worshiping him with our spirit man, we call it, and it's male and female. It doesn't just mean men when you say spirit man. It means females too. We worship him with our spirit. And we are tripod beings. We are spirit, soul, and body. So you are a spirit. And you have a soul that's your mind, your emotions. And you live in a body. You see, we can't operate on this earth without a body. The only being that does that is Satan. And that's why he's having such a hard time, because he wants your body. 
He wants to be in your mind and he wants to operate in your body. He wants you to do his stuff for him. He wants you to do his lying and his cheating and all of those behaviors that go along with him. So we have to understand that when we talk about uh, knowing uh, the only way to worship God is in spirit. John 4 and 24. And it's a privilege to know that I have the right uh, I have a right that reserves uh, exclusively, is reserved exclusively for those who believe. If you're not a believer, you don't have that privilege. If you're not a believer, you don't have that right this morning because you are not connected to God. Because if you are saved, you have a new spirit. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. But if you're not saved, you don't have that privilege. So we have to know, it's a privilege to know that I have the right uh, that is reserved for those of us who believe. And, you know, you can uh, turn around and ask your neighbor this morning if there's someone there with you. Are you an insider? You see, we're insiders. Insiders are privileged to certain information that others may be restrict, restricted to. And while the world looks for peace and happiness in a lot of different ways, those of us who are insiders or worshipers have the inside scoop that Jesus Christ is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord of peace, you see. That's what people are searching for. I had a classmate at Lima, and uh, she was a woman about my age. She was from Arizona, I believe. And no, I took that back. She was from California. That's what we had in common, is that she was from California. And so we met and kind of connected because at Rama, you identify yourself by state as well as uh, being connected as, you know, a Rama alumni. And so when they have uh, uh, these uh, uh, homecomings and that kind of thing, you know, you, they have a section uh, reserved for each state. And you sit with your state's people, even though you may not have been in the same class and may not have known each other. But I met this woman as my first-year student, and she was a first-year student. And uh, so uh, we kind of connected. and. Uh, so she was telling me how she how long it took her to get saved she was telling me that she went all over the world searching many religions quote many religions religion is not what we have we have a relationship with god so don't ever let anybody put you in that religion category you don't have a religion, you have a relationship with God. Christianity says that we are children of God and we have a relationship with God. We are not religious. Don't let anybody tell you you're religious. Because if you look in the Bible at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those folks that came, that tried to get rid of Christ, they certainly were religious. They had form that they followed, but they weren't saved. They weren't saved. Only those that went, uh, that uh, followed Christ, 
uh, and then went to watch him go to Calvary and then be resurrected are saved. We have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God in order to be saved. So we need to know that. And uh, that's going in another direction. But uh, if you're an insider, if you're an insider, then you know that Jesus Christ is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord of Peace. And so that's what we have to do. And there was a preacher that was trying to sell a horse one time. And so one day a, a, a potential buyer came to the church for a test ride. And the preacher said, before you start, you should know that this horse only responds to church talk. Go, go is praise the Lord and stop is amen. So the man got on the horse and said, praise the Lord. And the horse started to trot. And the man again said, praise the Lord. And the horse started to gallop. And then suddenly there's a cliff right in front of the horse. And the man yells, amen. And the horse stops just at the edge of the cliff. The man wipes the sweat from his brow and said, praise the Lord. And so you know what else happened. <laughs> so we know when we are supposed to say, uh, praise the Lord, uh, we should know. And uh, so we know that we are to say, uh, praise the Lord, but somehow it's lost its meaning. Its meaning. So today I want to talk to you about reasons why we should praise God. And then we are going to look at ways we are to praise God. Now, I might not be able to finish this this morning, so we may have to come back again with the rest of this subject. But let's look. Reasons to praise God. Almighty God is worthy of our praise and worship. And we look at Psalms 18, and it says, I will call upon the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. This psalm was composed when God delivered David from the hand of Saul during David's wilderness exploits. And it's a song of testimony. And when it comes to life, we are faced with struggles, whether we be physical or whether they be spiritual. One of the great things we have the privilege of knowing as insiders is that God cares about us and that he hears us. That's what we need to always remember. God cares about us. Please don't let the devil try to fool you that God don't care about you. And then we need to understand that he hears us. We need to always know that God hears us when we pray. And so Psalms 34 and 19 says, David said in that Psalms, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. How many of us can relate to David's testimony? And so there go I right there. This morning when I woke up, I woke up before time, the time that I planned to get up. And so I'm there and God is taking me on a walk through my past. 
And I don't know if you've had that experience with the Holy Spirit, but he begins to remind you of things that happened in your life, not necessarily the things you did in the world, not necessarily uh, those things that you really don't want folks to know that happened, but he takes you for a stroll through what has happened to you and how he got you through it. Now, that's the kind of walk I had. And he took me back to some situations with jobs that I had, with people that I had to work with, took me through some situations of people who are no longer living and I'm still here that did some stuff, tried to destroy me tried to hinder me, but they're no longer here, and I'm still here. He took me through that walk to show me that he has been protecting me. He has been protecting me even when I didn't realize it. And so by the time I got ready to get up and get a shower and get ready to open up the service, honey, I was already excited. And then that praise and worship, uh, uh, that uh, Dewey Smith, uh, my son, my grandson Dijon lives in Atlanta, and that's where that brother is. And I have already said to Sister Patsy that we have to take a trip to Atlanta. I need to go to that brother's service and meet him in the eye while he ministers and song, and he also preaches and teaches well. But you know, he said, "I thank you for my journey." And you know, that's all I could say this morning was, Lord, I thank you for my journey because you just keep on showing me how you've been taking care of me all this time, even when I didn't recognize it. I had a job and I'm going to have to stop. I'm not going to be able to uh, <clears throat> finish this. I had a job uh, at the school district as a community liaison Woodside High School, and I worked there for 10 years. And that was during the, uh, the days of desegregation, school desegregation. And Sequoia District was mandated to desegregate the schools that were all white because we had two schools, uh, well, one school in East Palo Alto that was all black. And then we had another school in Menlo Park, African area, and that had a good racial mix. And then we had uh, a school in Redwood City, Sequoia High School. It was predominantly uh, Spanish-speaking young people. But uh, then we had these other schools. We had Woodside High School. We had Carmine High School. We had San Carlos High School. And they were predominantly Caucasian. And so the government said, you got to do something about that. You got to do something about that racial mix. And as they did that, they also had to come up with ways of showing that these young people that were going to be bust out of their community, which was East Palo Alto, East Palo Alto, because see, Menlo Park, Bell Haven is our other area here. But they, those children didn't have to be bust because they would go to Menlo African, which was right there, close to their neighborhood. 
But the Ishamarato students were divided up into sections, and some went to Woodside, and some went to San Carlos. So San Carlos is no longer in existence, but it was the most racist campus of all the campuses. And then some went to Carmine. They were not allowed to go to MA uh, in the East Palo Alto, and they were not allowed to go to Sequoia and from East Palo Alto. They had to go to what they called the Hill Schools. And so as a result, they came up with a plan that they presented to the government. And in that plan, there was a position for a community liaison. This person would be able to function in the community both the Caucasian community where the school was located and the black community and be able to be uh, the expert on how to handle situations to the, uh, the children that would be embossed in uh, to the principal and all of the faculty. That was my job. And I took that job <clears throat> as a result of my son, Eric, getting in so much trouble at Woodside High School. He ended up being the most valuable player uh, of the year, uh, varsity basketball, but it was a fight to keep him in school because he got himself in some trouble. And uh, as a result, I was the PTA president of one of the elementary schools at East Palo Alto, and the, the community liaison uh, who was uh, there prior to me, she recommended that the Woodside High School administration, and she left that job, that they would hire me because of my contacts and because of my uh, involvement in the community. And as a result, I ended up, as God would have it, I ended up working at Woodside High School, seeing my son graduate, uh, well, seeing two of my sons graduate from that school, but seeing the Eric, the one that was having so many problems, graduate and go on to college. And then after that, that's another story. But what I'm trying to tell you here is, is that I needed to be there God put me there, not only for my own job, but for many. I helped many of our young people from East Palo Alto. I was able to help them get their education, get their high school diploma, and go on to a four-year or two-year college of their choice and become successful in their lives, God allowed me that opportunity. So I'm going back to the scripture that says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them. And uh, I can relate to that testimony for myself and for others that I helped. And many of you know Deacon Carlin Horton, who was with us for a long time, Deacon Carlin Horton was a student at Woodside High School when I was the community liaison. <laughs> Many years passed, and I became a minister, I became a pastor, and she uh, was brought to bread of life by her cousin. Her cousin 
got her to come to Bread of Life. She could play music, but honey, she was really in trouble with drugs. Really in trouble with drugs. So what the Lord did with me, many of those that I had served uh, at Woodside High School as students have come through the doors of Bread of Life because they were having problems uh, with drugs and alcohol and incarceration and all of that, you know, and God has just been so gracious to allow me to be there to help them. So, you know, when I started thinking about this morning, how much God had done for me, I also, he reminded me of how much he has used me how much he has had me help others that I knew in the past, you see. We went in the past. Let me tell you something. There's nothing wrong with going back in your past because you, if you go back in your past, you're going to see how God brought you out. <laughs> he, he brought you out. So, you know, we just thank God that he will show us, look where you were and look where you are now. And so that scripture means much. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Many of the afflictions. You know, we don't call them afflictions. We don't look at it that way, but honey, we had afflictions and the devil was stealing our lives and taking us down a path that was going to have the end of that path was death. But God, but God, but God. So when we look at this, we have to understand that, you know, we need to praise God. We need to praise him. Psalms 18 and 3 says, I will call upon the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. We need to know that God is worthy to be praised. And if it were not for God, where would we be? Ask that question to yourself. If it were not for you, Lord, where would I be? I ask it a lot of times because I know that he has been uh, the reason that I'm where I am now, if it were not for him, where would I be? So we need to understand that. Too. And so praise and worship is a, a very important part of our walk with the Lord. And like I said, we are in relationship. If you have salvation, if you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are in relationship with God. We want to see that as a relationship because we have the Spirit of God inside of us. Do you understand that you're walking around with the Spirit of God on the inside of you? And you know that uh, uh, with that kind of power, God can help us because we uh, can be uh, used by him. He has put that power on the inside of us. And so as we worship and praise him, he is always, he is always uh, going to take care of us. He is always going to uh, cause us to be victorious. So when we look at Psalms 34 and 19, it says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of, out of them all. 
And we can all relate to David's testimony. David was an insider. Verse 2 of Psalms 18, David describes God in six ways. He is my rock. He is my, he found safety and security in God's immovable strength. He is my fortress. He found a place of refuge and safety where the enemy uh, cannot penetrate. Uh, he is my deliverer. He found God to be a living protector. He is my buckler. A buckler in the type of, is a type of shield, symbolizing that God comes between us and harm. See, that's what I'm talking about. Corn of some our salvation. God was the source of strength and victorious power to deliver and save him. You see, we had all of that. How many of you know that you can't make a true statement like that unless you have experienced it? You know, my high tower, he said, a safe place to lift him above the dangers of life. How many times has God lifted us above the dangers of life? Sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you do know, <laughs> but sometimes you don't know how close you came to not being in existence anymore when God took care of you. He is my high tower, a safe place to lift us above the dangers of life. So we need to be able to make that statement, and we are able to, and we should be able to call it our testimony. You see, it's nothing wrong with giving your testimony. There's nothing wrong with sharing how where God has brought you from and how he got you out of uh, that place you were in, uh, that he took you and put you in a safe place above the dangers of life. That's what we need to do. And then I'm going to stop in a minute here. In Revelation chapter 5, John, the beloved apostle, was privileged to receive a revelation of Christ as the Redeemer, as the one who was the, the rightful heir to the title uh, of, uh, uh, he was the rightful heir to the title. Uh, and the deed of creation. Satan offered him the whole world in return for one act. Satan asked Jesus to worship him when he was up there, and Jesus won the right to receive the scroll when he gave himself on the cross. Jesus, John saw Jesus Christ as the lamb who was slain as a sacrifice for sin. So he began to praise and worship God by saying in verse 12 of chapter 5 of Revelations, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. I'm going to say that again. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. That's Revelation chapter 5, verse 12. So when we worship, it describes who God is. And when we praise, 
it proclaims what God has done. And when we give thanksgiving, it speaks of what God is doing right now for us. Our praise and worship must be verbalized. Don't ever let a day go by without giving God praise or thanks. Always show God your gratitude. If you don't know how, begin to praise him from the Psalms. It's a book that tells us how to praise God. So when you look at the Psalms, you look at the 23rd Psalm. The 23rd Psalms is probably considered the most popular Psalms in the whole 150 Psalms, because there's 150 Psalms. And it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He prepared the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He anoints my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I skipped some of that, but you can go over there and read it. I'll tell you why I said I skipped some of that, because I knew that Psalms by heart. I know that Psalms by heart, because when I was a... Uh, girl, uh, I was afraid of the dark. I had a fear of the dark. And so if I woke up in the middle of the night, I was calling for my mother, waking her up to come into my room because it was dark. And I don't know if y'all know about how you hang those clothes on the door, but in the dark, those clothes look like maybe it's somebody, a person. Or it did to me because I was had fear. And so my mother, bless her heart, would come. And she would say, now, there's nothing in this room to harm you. God's not going to let anybody harm you. So come on, let's say the 23rd Psalms. And she take me through that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for God. For he's with me, the Lord. <laughs> I'm getting it mixed up now, but I'm going to leave it right there. You read the rest of it. I use this scripture a lot when I do funerals because I have my little funeral book that I use, but I don't have to use it when I say the 23rd Psalms this morning. I'm seeing the struggle with it, but I don't, I don't need to struggle with it because my mother made me say that a many a night. And then she said, now go back to sleep. You're going to be all right. And sure enough, I was. But that's just one song. That's just one praise song. Because that's what the songs are. They are songs. S-O-N-G-S. <laughs> and they sang those in those days. And the psalmist David wrote the most psalms that we find in the book of Psalms. And uh, we call them uh, numbers. Uh, uh, psalms 23 is a number. 
Uh, Psalms 121, I will look to the hills from whence cometh my help. Oh, it's so many of those. And, you know, God uh, uh, honors, he honors our, our using those as a part of our worship. So with that said, <laughs> excuse me. With that said, I'm going to stop. I know some of y'all have to go to work. <laughs> I know the time is different for some of y'all than it is for us. But I think I've given you some information about praise and worship. Next time we come together, I want, and I'm bringing the message, I want to talk about how worship changes us. You see, because as we worship God, we 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 become uh, uh, like what we worship. So if we worship idols, we become like those idols. And idols can be anything, not just statues. We talk about idols and remember those statues that they had in the Old Testament that folks was worshiping. We remember about Dagon. Uh, some of you haven't heard that sermon, but there's a sermon about Dagon and every time uh, they would put God, uh, the statue of God beside Dagon, Dagon would fall down because God was going to have him, that idol standing up there beside his statue. That's another sermon altogether. But anyway, we're going to close now. I'm so grateful for those of you that joined us this morning, and I love you very much. And I pray that you got something out of the message this morning, and when it's our time again, we'll finish uh, talking about this uh, information about praise and worship and how it changes us and how we are to continue to let God work in our lives and how he inhabits, the scripture says, he inhabits the praises of his people. So with that said, I'm going to ask Reverend to dismiss us and uh, I want y'all to have a blessed day in the Lord. Be safe, those of you that are going to work. Uh, enjoy your day at work. The rest of us, whatever we're doing today, let God lead us. Just like he's going to lead them at work. So the devil doesn't come and steal what God has given them this morning. All right, Reverend. Amen, amen. Thank you for that word, Pastor. I was, I was thinking, me and uh <laughs> Me and George always uh, uh, talk, and we always go back, and, and we always say how God has brought us out. He goes back to before I was around. I go back before, uh, uh, well, we knew each other. And we always talk about how God brought us out. And y'all hear me I, when I say I, I, over at work, I look over the freeway, and I, and I thank God for bringing me a mighty long way. Even though that's not that's not a long way, it's right across the freeway. But that is a mighty long way. What he brought me from, because across that freeway was drugs, the devil, you name it. That's what was across that freeway for me, and he brought me a mighty long way. Then placed me in a job, placed me in a job where I can look right over at where he brought me from. Ain't he something? Ain't God something? I tell you, boy. I thank you, thank you for that word, Pastor. Because uh, 
like you say, ain't nothing wrong with remembering the past because then you remember what you what God has brought you out of. So so thank you. Thank you for that uh, uh, sermon. Thank you for that word. And uh, uh, I won't be able to do it before I go to work. But as soon as I get off work, I'm going to make sure that word is spread. So everybody else that want to can listen to it, too, on the podcast. So. So, Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for that word that went forth today, Father God. And we thank you, Lord. Each and every one of us have been brought, Father God, from something, somewhere, Father God. So we thank you for bringing us that mighty long way, Father God, where it was drugs, relationships, whatever it was, Father God. We want to thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father God. And we recognize, Father God, that you brought us this mighty long way, Father God. And we want to give you praise for that, Father God. Honor and glory, Father God, because like it was said, Father God, God has been many times that we don't know, Father God, that you brought us out from, from not even being here, Lord. So we just want to thank you this morning, Father God, and we want you to know that we recognize, we love and adore you, Father God. We praise your holy name, Father God. We thank you over here, the bread of life, Father God. So as we go on our journey, Father God, we ask that hedge of protection over each and every one of us, Father God. We ask that hedge of protection over the family members that are represented here this morning, Father God. And we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. We give you all praise, honor, and glory in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone say amen. Amen. Amen, y'all. All right, everybody. All right, you too. All right, Sabrina and Erica and Dr. Carson, y'all have a good one. All right. All right, everybody. Have a good one.